radio, Ra radio. It's a good ass black ass time. We taking it from the stage to the airway. Jeremiah like the Bible. And Tajrani. And we are bringing you that Friday vibe to your Monday drive. Uh, this is a great show. It's a great show. So shout out to everybody who's been listening and joining us here on LOL Radio. And for all of our podcaster folks that are listening and telling friends to listen, we appreciate you. We appreciate you. Before we get into the show, let me let everybody know that I had to reschedule my two sold out shows at the Hollywood Improv last Friday. Uh, but those shows are now taking place this Friday. So that's pretty cool. Uh, this Friday, June 3rd. So if you, you might be able to get tickets because I feel like in the movement, like there may be some tickets that freed up. So, you know, give that a whirl, give that a whirl. Also, we'll be in Brea, California, June 24th, 25th, and 26th telling these jokes. You got five shows. So if you missed any of these shows that I just did at the, that I'm doing at the Hollywood Improv, then, you know, Bray is like an hour away. You know, it's a nice little drive. It's not like a crazy drive. It's just like a nice little cute little Cali drive. So come on out, check that out. And of course, if you have not gotten your tickets to all my DC listeners to our shows at the Kendi Center, July 22nd and 23rd, you are playing yourself. Get into it. It is the beginning of the Black Outside Again tour. It's going down. I'll be announcing dates very soon. So you want to get into it. Just like we're about to get into this episode. And you know, we have to start out every episode by determining how black we feel today. How black do you feel today? All right. We always start with Taj. So Taj, show us how black do you feel today? I'm feeling as black as everybody in the diaspora that can't be on time to anything because we mm. are collectively on CP time. So that is how black <laughs> I am feeling today. All right. All right. Jeremiah. Um, how black am I feeling today? I'm feeling as black as that tub of Neapolitan ice cream that everybody got as a kid for their oh, birthday. Wow. Because I celebrated my birthday last yes! week. Happy birthday to Jeremiah. Happy birthday to you. you. It's officially Gemini season. The Geminis Ugh. are out. We're out, guys. I know y'all hate to love us, but here we are. Um, and I'm 28, so another year around the sun. You know, I'm grateful. So I'm feeling like, you know, that tub needs to pot some ice cream, but not really liked. But people had anyway from the birthday parties as a kid. So, you know, here we are. How I mean, black are you feeling, Amanda Seals? Well, Taj, what were you about to say? I was just going to say, the Geminis are really just in the way of cancer season, so... Okay, here just we like... go. <laughs> so, on that, you know, how Black do I feel today? I am feeling, um... <laughs> you know, I'm feeling like Luster's Pink Lotion Black, you know, where I just feel... Like I'm getting into the groove of things. And I feel like Lester's Pink Lotion gets all up into the crevices of your scalp. It gets into the curls. It gets into the the naps. And it really handles things and smooths, and smooths things out. And that's what I'm doing right now. I'm like getting into the grooves of things and smoothing things out. Because I'm about to go out on this road. And... It's, it's going to be an, a new America that I'm entering into since the last time I went on the road. And I feel like that's something I'm having to just smooth, just really just get into the crevices of. And um, 
what better way to do it than with a Lester's Tink Lotion? The classic so familiar. <laughs> so that is how Black I feel today. Yeah, yeah. Um, by the way, just shout out, just random shout out to D. Wills for all of these uh, musical interludes that we have on the show. Someone uh, t- tweeted me the other day and said that they really need the back of the class intro as their ringtone. And it's like, they said it was a bop. And I'm like, oh you know it. Do y'all remember that, remember that though? And like ringtones was a thing. Like people had songs. Like, I mean, I still do. My phone is just on vibrate all the time. But That's like, what when- I mean. I feel like no one has like music anymore. But for a, a good run, that That's was just a thing. we had class. <laughs> that's true because now if I hear a song playing when you're firing I'm looking like <laughs> now what do you think this is where you at my friend was a teacher and she was like you know you could always judge like how involved the parent was by their ringtone <laughs> <laughs> wait wait she was like you know we'd be waiting for like parent teacher and like you would just hear a ringtone and it'd be like yes yes you know and it would be like oh it's us too turned up I don't I don't trust that so I miss I miss the time of ringtones. Shout out to T-Pain, the king of the ringtone era. He sold the most ringtones. Oh, did he? Millions. Yeah. Like <laughs> millions. Ran- millions. Like, yeah. Random fact. Like, he was, like, number one when that was a thing when you had to, like, pay for your ringtones. It was all about T-Pain. Well, if anyone wants a ringtone for a niggas got me fucked up, uh, we'll be getting to uh, niggas got me fucked up Mondays later in the show. But I do have it for sale as a ringtone on iTunes. So if you if you want to send a message to someone and just accidentally leave your phone on volume, then you can have niggas got me fucked up. I got a couple of people that's gonna be in your ringtone. <laughs> I mean, my ringtone for dudes that I liked was always um, Anita Baker's That's like so very romantic but also so on brand and so classic and also you saying whatever dude it was that was it and my agent's ringtones are all Bone Thugs and Harmony for the love of money. Gotta make that money, man. Money, man. No so way. to this day, wow. if I leave my phone volume up, that's what happens when they call. <laughs> Thank God for vibration. Thank God for the vibration. <laughs> Thank God for us. Uh, because we are gonna give y'all some black red news. And what a week it's been. Just for yeah. the record, like we're choosing stories because we we really need like three hours for this show. But actually, if, if we're being honest, like we need to like like when this term is up, um, the conversation is going to be we need another two hours because w- there's so much to discuss, um, and there's so much that I feel like people like us need to discuss, and not because like oh we're so smart, et cetera, et cetera, because I know there's so many people listening that be feeling crazy because they're gaslit by so much of the media and so much of just like what's going on in the algorithm that like when they hear people who sound sane saying the same things, it makes them feel sturdy. It makes like, there's people in the car right now that are like, yes, bitch. Yes. Because it can feel very lonely and isolating to be, to think like sanely at this point. Is it just me? Like there's. No, that's true. That's true. 
Especially in this news cycle, you're like, who am I? Is it me? Maybe it's me. It might yeah. be me. It's it's crazy. And it's kind of like, it's what we're waking up to and what we're going to bed to almost every day. And it's like, no matter what you do to try to decompress or escape, mm-hmm. you're right back there. Whether you're logging on, whether you're talking to your friends, whether you're on the phone with your family, the news cycle has just kind of taken over yeah. in the worst way possible. The only positive is that I feel like there was a long time where I felt very immersed, but it felt like there was an apathy that was around me. And it was like, I've just felt like, damn, like how am I the only one that's like caring about these things? And I do feel like within even just the last six months, folks have started to become a lot more aware. And I feel like the other side of that is engagement. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm, I'm using any platform I have to talk about voting. Now, don't get me wrong. Some places are gerrymandered to hell. So no matter what you vote, these motherfuckers have made it to where your votes don't have the same power. Uh, nonetheless, there's a lot of places that that is not the case where your votes really do have power. And there is a midterm election coming up in November. We really have the opportunity to reset Um, A lot of these governors in a lot of states, a lot of state senators who are the ones that vote on the individual laws in your state. And as you can see, that's what the Supreme Court is trying to push. It's trying to push states to be in control more than the federal government. And um, of course, you also have the power to reelect or to get rid of these many senators that are in office doing trash. Shout out out. to Manchin and Sinema, who are fake ass. Um, Democrats, and then shout out to the weak ass Democrats who are in office and aren't fighting any kind of power. And then shout out to the trash ass Republicans. So, fake ass, weak ass, trash ass. Mm-hmm. We don't want you. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, what? Start us off with some black ear news. What are we talking um, about? Today? So, as we guys know, unfortunately, there was yet another mass shooting. Um, so, in Texas, um, 19 students and two teachers were killed in, on Tuesday, which basically is now considered the most deadliest school shooting in Texas history. Um, and for those who don't know, at a press conference, Governor Greg Abbott said that basically everyone that all the students and teachers that were dead were all in the fourth grade classroom where the shooter basically barricaded himself and opened fire on the teachers and the students. Um, and basically, he had an AR-15 style semi-automatic rifle. Um, and basically, right before this happened, on Facebook posted, I'm going to shoot at elementary school. So that's now, where we are in America. In yeah. response to this, Governor Abbott very quickly did a press conference saying that this could have been worse. Yes. If it wasn't for the police doing their job. But we have now learned, thanks to the journalists who have really, really mm-hmm. pushed to get the, the facts out. Um, we have learned that the police actually didn't do their job. They said that they didn't want to go inside because they were afraid of getting shot. Yeah, it's kind of that kind is of the bizarre. Like thing it's I've a, ever heard. It's, it's crazy <laughs> because you know we hear so much all the time about police officers protecting and serving, and the reason mm-hmm. they need all this funding, and yeah. you know they're serving their communities. And um, in this case, it's sad and it's disgusting um, yes. because it's like there's an army of y'all outside there's one shooter um but it it, and the town's funding is goes 40 percent to that department that also but it kind of it not kind of it broke my heart to know that the police that were there some of them ran in the school to grab their own kids and then like just ran back out 
Um, I read a story earlier today about a mother who was outside. The cops wouldn't let her in. She backed up. She had been handcuffed. Wait, no, they, there you, yeah. Say she that had been part. handcuffed. Um, they they said she was being too rowdy. She was, they said that she was, uh, they said that her begging them to go inside was disrupting a criminal investigation and they handcuffed her. An investigation as, as if there wasn't a crisis happening in real right. time. But after they uncuffed her, she said she just kind of backed away. She made her way into the school. She grabbed her kids and ran out. Um, but to just know that the cops are kind of, the cops and the politicians are kind of like, well, you know, the teachers should be ready to handle something like this. And then there's a Ted Cruz talking about, well, they should have just locked the back door. So then it's like you only have one way in a school and one way out in case of any other type of emergency. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the stories that are coming out about these police officers, um, they're disheartening and they're sad. It lets us know that they're actually not trained to handle a situation like this. Um, and they lost, um, as I read somewhere, like what they called the golden hour because they left all these people there to just bleed out. Yeah. Um, it's, and that, a, it's tragic. In addition to this, the NRA is having their big gun convention in Texas right now. And you would think that out of respect for these lives lost, they would at the very least delay it. No, no, they're going along with it. And um, by the way, Trump is is speaking at the convention and there are no guns allowed at his uh, presentation. It, the the. The irony, the the hypocrisy is maddening in a way that is like beyond my scope of comprehension. Uh, Beto O'Rourke, who is running for governor of uh, Texas, confronted Governor Abbott at this mm-hmm. at this press conference and said, yes, "You know, yep. you, what are you could be stopping this right now, and you're not." And people were like, "You're an embarrassment." It's it's, it's well, it's just funny because two weeks ago it was oh pro life, I gotta stop killing the babies, the babies, the babies, the babies, and now it's like, for lack of better words, f them kids. Essentially, like you know, Absolutely. like it feels very much like which one is it? You can't even get baby formula, but you go get a gun in Texas. And well, then you have Governor Abbott who's saying, well, this is really about mental health and, you know, mental health resources. And literally as recent as two months ago, or it may even have been two weeks ago. I can't remember, but I know it's two. Um, he cut like funding. yes, millions of dollars in funding for mental health. So what that lets us know, which is something I think so many of us already do know, is that all of this is bullshit. Like it's all smoke and mirrors. It's all just Hell moving yeah. shit around just to keep shit because it's really just about money. It's just about money and power. It's not about God. Like the the whole like, oh, this is about, you know, like even like abortion rights about God and prote- no, it's not. That's just another tactic they're using the same way they're using. It's the doors. It's mental health, et cetera. I and just hope everybody I, keeps that same energy, though, when it's somebody that they love on the opposite side of that gun, though. So keep that same energy. Mm-hmm. When, when it's your, someone you love, when it's your child, when it's your family member that literally slaughtered because you don't seem to care about anyone else's child. Mm-hmm. Remember, Governor Abbott, it could be worse. It could be much worse than what it is. Yeah, it's disgusting. It's, well, um, it's, it's also maddening to hear that these parents can't even sue the um mm-hmm. the they can't even sue the Texas they can't even sue the town or the police because of a Supreme Court case Castle Rock versus Gonzalez which I will talk about more on the Amandaverse so if you haven't gone to the Amandaverse.com subscribe I do a lot more talking about things and you know showing things from my personal life et cetera et cetera on the Amandaverse and if you're a true supporter come through but I I'll just keep it short here but basically it's a case that says that the police protect you at their discretion. 
That's what the ruling is. That the I gotta go, don't... yeah. I gotta log out for the day. <laughs> right. That's like... what the rule. The ruling is basically that you know it is the police's discretion on their carrying out of protection to you, even if you have a restraining order. And um... yeah, where do we live at? Like, this is not. What... Oh no, it's <laughs> I just can't. it's a time and place. I and I said this to you guys the other day. Like, I just never thought I would be living through a time or a space quite like this, just because when you see so much progress happening in your lifetime and your parents and grandparents have seen so much progress happen to see all of that skirt on 22s and hit the reverse on you is nuts. It's crazy. I honestly just hope that a lot of these parents also too, I was just thinking about like, obviously I don't have any children, but I have like young cousins, nieces and nephews that go to school every day. And I just talked to my mom about this. I'm like, I could not imagine going to school every day after something like this. No. Like, I remember when 9-11 happened, when I was like in first grade and I was terrified to fly a plane, like, on the plane. And obviously I don't go to the airport every single day, but mm-hmm. that just like triggered something to me. I remember like coming home, like terrified, like something's gonna happen to me. Mm-hmm. So imagine literally what you think the place you go every single day is a place of danger. Like, how do you even like cope with that as a young person that has to literally go to school every day, wake up, see your friends. But in the back of your head, you're like, is this the day? Mm-hmm. Somebody will come in here and kill me today, which is really unfortunate to think about. Well, you know it's what's like, wild? We I was just thinking about like talking about smart, funny, and black, and I was like, oh wait, you already talked about that. And then I remembered, oh yeah, because there was a mass oh, yeah. shooting last week. So you talked about it last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I and I was about to say I was thinking about something that I said last week also, and I think the unfortunate thing is we're having the same conversation. We're well, having then you the have folks same who are like, well, who cares? About, you know, because last week it's about white supremacy, right? But mm-hmm. it's still the availability of guns. So then yep. this week, people are like, well, you know, if I I need my guns, I need my guns. And the thing about the, no. the term common sense gun laws is basically just ascribing the fact that, okay, we should have a right to firearms per se. I don't know why we should have a right to firearms, but that's in the mm-hmm. Constitution. Mind you, the Constitution also said, like, you can own slaves, but whatever. <laughs> so folks are like, I should have a right to protect myself. Okay. However, why do you need ammunition and artillery of this level in order to protect yourself. The reason why the cops didn't go in that school is because this young man was out arming them. Mm -hmm. They had handguns and he had AR-15s. It also goes to the argument people always make about, well, if there was somebody with a gun, they could kill the shooter. Well, usually the shooter has literally military grade weapons like lay you out. So it's kind of like, what am I going to do with a a, uh, Glock? At the end of the day, this whole madness of like, I need my guns, I need my guns, is really just attached to people holding their dicks. That's really what it feels like to me. And I know there's women who go along with it too, but in my mind, it's this, there's also women who go along with toxic mas- masculinity in a real way. And when we look at the consistent shooters who are carrying these things out, they are, I think the study says that 80% of the time, they they um commit some level of violence against a woman close to them before they do this act. And as we know, this person shot his grandmother. grandmother. His grandpa was there. His grandpa was there, but he shot the grandmother. Yeah, it's it's also sick to just know that school shootings, and we say it all the time whenever there's a mass shooting, that, you know, if there weren't laws put in place after Sandy Hook, then it's kind of like, I mean, we all don't really care about what's happening. Because those are your just, own white little babies, and you didn't care about that. Right. Right. So, but it's it's to know that this is an American issue school shooting solely is solely an american issue and i read something earlier saying like 
the lengths people have to go through in Japan to get a gun. It's like they have to take a class. They have to go through psych evaluations. They have, and then they have to recertify. There were other things, but they have to recertify every three every, years. Yes. Hell, I had to go through way more to get an apartment in Los Angeles County than you got to do to get a gun. Well, I forgot who was talking about it online, but they were like, why aren't we putting people through the same efforts to get a gun that they put women through to get an abortion? Yes. Well, yes. Neith huh. Shulman um, from Catfish actually had a oh, video on that. Okay, yeah. And I mean, he read everybody down about that. But it's true. It's just kind of like, to again. Tra- trans people who are transitioning, they have to go through mad steps. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, neither of those things are harming anyone outside of yourself. I mm-hmm. probably could literally log on the computer and get a gun in the time we shot this episode and get, get a sense of my house just mm-hmm. in time. Baby, That's you can go to Walmart and get a gun from a vending machine. Yeah. Okay. Like literally. There's a vending machine. Like it's potato shit. Yes. And it's just, to me, I feel like what I've come to really understand is there's just two types of folks in this country. And there's folks who consider American ideals to be things that other folks like myself and like what I understand to be all of us on this call, things that don't make for a peaceful society. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of the things that people ascribe as American ideals are not things that allow for a peaceful society. No, and not at all. That is what I feel like we're coming to a head with. And I don't know how long it's going to take, but it's going to come to a head. My thing is the reason that that's not shocking about these things contributing to us not having a peaceful society is because as soon as colonization started, the peace was gone. This whole country has been built on chaos. You know what I'm saying? Everything has been chaotic since um, they came over here on the boats. Everything has been about oppressing people. To your point earlier, um, yeah, your Second Amendment right was written in the Constitution however many years ago. Because like people were saying slaves. Right. So a a large part of it was like, well, because y'all were shooting slaves and you were also just living in the middle of nowhere. And at no point has anybody been like, hey, yeah, we don't really need, we don't really need that to exist anymore. The Second Amendment right was really just based on the fact that in order for them to get freedom from Britain, they had to wild out and flip on Britain and they didn't want nobody to wild out and flip on them. That's it. Well, but I was just about to say, I was just about to say that. (laughs) Do we even have time for two other stories? I don't even know. We got carried away. Yeah, let's just run through these uh, really quick because they're much lighter. Um, So as you all know, and if you don't know, um, Amanda Seals, the multi-hyphenate, is a former gymnast who can actually still flip down. Um, So a few months- across the board. Literally. So a few months ago, it was announced that Fisk University would become the first HBCU to offer an intercollegiate women's artistic gymnastics team, which is humongous. Um, Just especially considering things that had happened this past year at UCLA, where there were just a lot of racist things happening, putting Black gymnasts under unnecessary uh, unnecessary mental pressures um, where there wasn't necessarily a safe space created. Um, and I know Amanda can speak more to that, but um, the good news is- You can is- listen to an episode of Small Doses, uh, Side Effects of Being a Black Gymnast at UCLA. And, that, and we also have another episode, Side Effects of Being a Black Gymnast. And both of those episodes are really good, insightful uh, conversations on the uniqueness of being Black in the sport. So make sure you check that out, Small Doses Podcast. Carry on, Tom. Mm-hmm. Um, But the great news is that a 16-year-old Texas gymnast named Morgan Price from Dallas-Fort Worth 
um, has committed to the gymnastics team. So we're Level underway. 10. Level 10. And let me tell you, uh, one of the women who is very involved in this is uh, my homegirl, Melanie. I've known Melanie since she was seven. Uh, and she was a star gymnast at my gym, Orlando Metro coming up. And then she ended up going to university of Florida, being a star there. And now she's in Cirque du Soleil and, uh, she is at the forefront of helping make this happen alongside Brown girls, gym, uh, Brown girls do gymnastics. So shout out to the sisters. Yes. I hope they're like mm-hmm. celebrating, you know, this momentous occasion, but I know what they won't be having at their celebration. This new Juneteenth ice cream. A mess. That- a mess. Our friends at Walmart rolled out. So if you guys were under a rock this past week, so there's so much going on in the world. Um, Walmart was basically getting dragged to the mud across socials because they released a swirled red velvet and cheesecake Juneteenth ice cream with the tagline on the actual um, carton that said, share and celebrate African-American culture, emancipation and enduring hope. Um, and people weren't, people weren't going for it. They're like, what the hell is this? Why is Juneteenth? Well, you also, Amanda, you were part of the, the coalition. To like take ice cream down, as well as Walmart is the only people they have their ice cream, but other manufacturers and businesses have their own other Juneteenth related paraphernalia as well. That was there were literally like drink cooler, like drink holders that said, (laughs) It's the freedom for me. First of all, that's just terrible. AAAV use, like, thank you for me. Like, what is that? No one would ever say that. But here's the thing, and if we're gonna keep it a buck, because we keep it a buck here, it's my funny and black radio. You know there were black people involved. Yes. Every time. We're that's always, why, there's at least one. That's why DE, DEI is capped to me because under capitalism, DEI would never be effective because you have two types of black people. You have the black people that are either like in the room, like we shouldn't do this. And you're like stressing yourself out every day trying to fight <laughs> these powers that be. And it's kind of like, at a certain point, you're like, I'm at work. I cannot stress myself out every single day about these little right. things. I'll go crazy. Or you have the people that just fall in line and like, yeah, we should do that. We should get the Juneteenth ice cream. And if you were smart, it would have been butter pecan ice cream because like people love butter pecan ice cream. But that's Listen. another story for another day. Black mamas across America. Black mamas. When they say... Listen, when they say I want something sweet, they want butter pecan <laughs> ice cream for sure. Well, Walmart <laughs> did a statement about the ice cream once they took it down from shelves. They said the Juneteenth holiday marks a celebration of freedom and independence. However, we have received feedback that a few items caused some concern um, from our customers, and we sincerely apologize. We are reviewing our assortment and will remove items as appropriate. Here's my issue. <laughs> a lot of people are, I've heard people be like, why can't we make Juneteenth like July 4th? Because it's not. It's not. Mm-mm. And my response to them is, do you know what Juneteenth is? Because I think when we look at Juneteenth and call it like a celebration of independence, there's a difference. It's an July 4th, July 4th was these people, you know, basically because of tariffs and taxes fighting the British and they were armed and they were free to do so. And they fought them and, you know, the red coats are coming, the red coats are coming and they won. Okay. Black people did not get that. We didn't get to fight for our freedom. Mm -hmm. You know, we were, we were continuously and, and have continuously been put us under every, at every turn of us asserting our freedom. We look at towns like, um, we look like we look at Oklahoma and we look at I mean sorry we look at Tulsa we look at Durham and we we look at Philly and the way that you know white forces have continuously um bombed and dismantled black freedom so when we look at Juneteenth Juneteenth is not a 
celebration of like us fighting for like no Juneteenth Valentine's Day babes no it's not a and it's not a holiday that America gets to create and capitalize like black folks have taken that day and made it uh, a holy day for black folks Mm -hmm. but it is not a holiday for capitalism but it also just needs to be noted is uh, what needs to be noted is the fact that one it's so very unique to Texas Yes. So, like, if you do not live in Texas, you kind of might not have known about it for years and years and mm-hmm. years. I didn't I didn't learn about this until um, my old co-worker at BET, Aaron, who is from Texas, mentioned it one year. And I was like, well, can you explain what that is? Because it's not in any of my history books. I didn't ever <laughs> well, really hear about it. No, well, it's shocking. Mm-hmm. Never really learned about it in college. But the thing about it is it's not like the slaves broke free or there was a revolt. This happened two years, what, two years after the Emancipation Proclamation? It's literally about the fact that these were the slaves that were forgotten, that were told, that that were never told that slavery ended Mm -hmm. and the Union soldiers came through and were like, what's, why y'all still working? What's going on? And now Walmart slept in red velvet, ice cream on it and said, happy Juneteenth. Mm -hmm. Love you guys. And also, I mean, they whipped this holiday into a, a national occasion very quickly. Mm. With no reparations. But I do want to say this before we uh, move to Black Joy. The ironic part of part this, or like the, the silver lining to this is that there also is a Black-owned ice cream company yes. at Walmart that sells a red velvet ice cream. If you want to like actually buy red velvet ice cream, it's called Cream Malicious. So you know, support a Black-owned brand. I feel like if anything, Walmart should have been amplifying that. For Juneteenth? I feel like Target has done a really good job of amplifying black brands and like they Mm -hmm. have like a whole like um like program uh where they are you know working to amplify black brands and Mm -hmm. we've seen brands like the honey pot and the lip bar and mess, mess in a bottle come through there. So you know, there's no reason do better. And all of us can do better and make sure that we are supporting black brands wherever possible. But uh It's time for us to support some Black Joy. We all need it. A story of Black Joy. All right, so Black Joy story for today. I know, Amanda, you're an avid collector. You have, like, dolls all over your house, so you might be happy (laughs) to hear about this. So um, Barbie has released its first ever transgender doll honoring the actress and LGBTQ activist Laverne Cox from Orange is the New Black, as you guys know. You, I know she's about to say Amanda in now. You already gay one on the show. Like- I always mess up LGBTQ. Okay, the last time he was like, and that's why LGBTQ I was concentrating I- so hard because I knew Amanda's gonna say something. He always messes me up now. But in real life, I can say LGBTQ plus. Okay, there we go. Yes. Um. So she has her own doll that's made in her likeness, and she said it's an incredible, meaningful to me to have Barb- a Barbie doll for so many reasons. And one of them is that she hopes that kids of all gender identities can look at this Barbie and dream, which you know I'm really ha- happy for. Like you know, I think over the years Barbie has made like a lot of efforts and strides to really diversify um, its lineup of dolls. Yeah. You know, have mm-hmm. you have different dolls in, like wheelchairs, body, po- you have body, body pods, exactly. So this is a great you know moment for. Barbie. Even hair textures. Like they, I remember when they had black Barbies, they literally just looked like white Barbies that had been painted. (laughs) And and that was exactly what it was giving every single time. Yes, absolutely. I collect holiday Barbies and I've seen them over the years. Like now they've gotten kinky, you know, they got kinky textures, they've got braids, you know, it's, it's really a beautiful thing. And what would a smart, funny and black Barbie doll look like? 
Ooh, a smart Barbie and black Barbie doll. Well, she would come in like various flavors. Okay. And because you have to be Rebel fam, Fly fam, Culture fam, and Woke fam. And uh, so she would definitely have on the shirt, but it would be styled different ways. You know, Fly fans would probably be, of course, not probably, would absolutely be like the illest. Um, but it would definitely be very hair focused. Uh, you know, we got to make sure we're giving box braids. We're giving a baldy. We're giving a full fro. Because one thing about a black woman, she will call out of work and get box braids and come back the next day like nothing happened. So Listen, we're giving locks. Um, And yes, that is absolutely going to happen because I am definitely getting my hair done this week. And so... (laughs) So Mattel, you know where to hit us up at. You know, smart for the and black. Get these dolls. And I love, and I love, thank you for that commercial. And I, I love to see this progress in the face of, you know, states like Oklahoma, which have, which just um, banned trans bathrooms uh, from the entire state. And you're just like, do you, how does this work for y'all? Do you think that this just stops everything? But like, the thing about it for me is always like the bathroom the bathroom, guys, because you don't separate your bathroom by gender in your home. When you go to someone else's home or a gathering, the bathrooms are not separated by gender. So why do you think that the bathroom is going to be a thing? And also, if someone is trying to just live their life, they're not going to make a big deal about it. And they probably don't want anyone to know that they may be in transition. So I just don't. It's just the dumbest thing to try to focus. It's it's very it's just so my theme song for everything these days is a mess, a mess, a mother effing mess. No, literally. But this, I just want to say this story about Laverne Cox makes me very, very happy because if y'all remember back in 2008, I'm like, I'm stuck here. But if y'all remember back in 2008, long before Orange is the New Black, Laverne Cox was on the reality show, I Want to Work for Diddy. Um, And she was very early in her transition. And, um, I personally feel like while she was on the show, she just faced some challenges just due to the fact that at that point in time, um, there wasn't a lot of transgender representation that we were seeing on TV. People were not as educated as they are now or just not as aware as they are, uh, as they were not as aware as they are these days. Um, And I'm not going to put words in her mouth or assign emotions to her, but it just seemed like it was a struggle, but she got through it for as long as she could. But that was the first time I ever saw her. And then, you know, Orange is the New Black, Emmy winner, um, activist and advocate. And um, she seems like she's like just really, really awesome. So I'm ex- I'm like extremely excited for her. I'm well, they say the best revenge is your paper. She said, nah, I got a doll. Now what? I got a Barbie. Listen. Because everybody don't have a Barbie. That's like a, I feel like that's a big thing. That, listen, that's a goal. That's, that's, that's a goal. I found out that you can pay to get a star on the, on the Walk of Fame. So that ain't a goal no more. But I I want a doll. I want a Barbie doll. Would you feel bad if you had a doll and no one bought the doll? Like the kids are like, I don't want that doll. That would like suck. I'm sorry. I, you know what? I was that just presented for a that just presented an issue that I was right. not. Because no, it's, it's kind of like you had a star in the Walk of Fame. People like to like, for instance, like Donald Trump star, where people like destroy it every two weeks or deface mm. it. It's like, damn. Mm. Yes, applause for that. But you know, yeah. if it was my star, I'd be mad. I'd be like, dang, y'all, y'all really don't fuck with me. That's crazy. <laughs> well, you're a Gemini, so let's. <laughs> <laughs> It was me being 5'10", now it's Gemini. <laughs> Every week, y'all, I'm fighting for my life. <laughs> y'all, when we come back, we have our guest coming to the back of the class, former showrunner of Insecure and incredible writer and friend Prentice Penny joining us, writer, director. Uh, so he'll be joining us to go back to the class. Stick with us. This is Smartphone and Black Radio. I'm your host, Amanda Seals, joined by... Jeremiah, like the Bible. 
and Tajrani. We'll see you on the other side. Jeremiah, like the Bible. And Tajrani. And our guest in the back of the class today, the indubitable Mr. Prentice Penny. What up? I've never been described as indubitable, but I like it. I'm going to start doing that like everywhere. Indubitable. That's popping. For those who don't know, Prentice was our showrunner on Insecure. He is also, what? so when it comes to pause with Sam J. Are you showrunner and director? Like, I feel like there's like a lot no. of your EP. No, so, so yeah, so Sam, Sam and I created it together, but okay. Langston Kerman, who played Jared, is the showrunner. Uh, I did not know that. Shout out to Langston. Yeah, yeah Langston's the head That's writer. The and, uh, yep, and uh, these t- two great guys called Jams and Bash are the directors. Jams and Bash. That sounds like some type of British breakfast meal. <laughs> that's, <laughs> like, that's I'm going to ha- gonna have the Jams and Bash with jelly. Thanks. Um, thank you. Well, yes. here at Smart Funny and Black Radio, uh, well, well, first and foremost, though, you can check out Sam J. Paws in season two. Yep, every Friday H- after Bill Maher. Ooh, that's a nice little lead-in right there, right there. Little yep. HBO connection. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> well, here at Smart Funny and Black Radio, we are very big on starting with the game because that's what we do at Smart Funny and Black. And for those who don't know, Prentice Penny was on Smart Funny and Black in November of 2017, okay? When we were in yeah. the back, when we were in the back of a comic book store, all yep. right? That's yeah. like will, pre-COVID. That's like pre I will never forget the debate was uh, Harriet Winslow yep. versus um, Claire Huxtable. Claire Huxtable. Which... Which black mama was holding it down the most? And you said Claire Huxtable said because Claire she Huxtable. kept them secret. <laughs> I did not say that. Absolutely said it. I watched You're it. Right, I did. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's free now. So, yeah, yeah she kept that shit. Fucking fault. Well, I lost that. I still think I beat Issa. But her, her Harriet Winslow debate was like solid, but I still. It was feel strong. Like, it's, I just felt the crowd was like, go pull for Issa because it's her show. But I feel like if you really analyze the points. <laughs> Yo. Well. Because <laughs> my thing was Harry Winslow you. couldn't even stay control of it was her own show. She lost <laughs> that. I mean, that is fact. <laughs> so how she gonna manage, how she gonna hold the family again? She can't, co- can't control, like, she the lead or not. <laughs> and she was gone that last The season. passion that has just unleashed, like... <laughs> Princess said, pull out the score five sheet. years ago, and I'm still... You can see it still... <laughs> Bubbling. It it's close to the here, Yeah, it lives up here rent-free. I mean, that's what Smart, Funny, and Black uh, Live does. It's just a visceral experience. Like, you still remember it five years later. That's what it says. Yes. Yeah. And so we're bringing a bit of the live right here to the radio. So the game you'll be playing today is a game called Code Switching, which I know Hold you on. have to do a lot of because you are dealing with a lot of white people in the Hollywood space on a yes. regular basis. Yes. Um, and so Code Switching is a game where your code switching skills are put to the test by translating song lyrics written into <laughs> corporate speak. So we are going to give you 
the corporate speak version of a song lyric, and you have to tell us what is the original oh, no. actual song. Oh, God. Is this going to be like some stuff like I'm going to know? Because, you know, I'm like 60. So it's not going to be like... I, got <laughs> I feel to know, like you like, would know. Yes, I'm picking okay. ones that you would it's know. It's not some like NBA young Dirk baby boy. And like, I don't even songs. know any no, of we don't know people. them. We don't know okay. them. All right, cool. We don't the know them. you can buy all those names. <laughs> NBA young boy Dirk baby little baby. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. You could okay. tell me that someone's name is like um, MC Fiscal Returns and I wouldn't know. <laughs> Amanda. Amanda, please. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, where? Yeah, my son. Yeah, my son could look at me like, have you heard it? I'm like, I've never heard of anybody <laughs> whose name is like a symbol. Like, I don't know. Not whose name is a symbol. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I just want them to start naming themselves like things that like, like I want someone to name themselves like Roe v. Wade. Like that's their rapper name. <laughs> that would be a, that would be a fire <laughs> like, Do that. Like yeah. I, if a rap, I want a rapper's name to be gun control. Like, and so like, we're just all here. We're always hearing about gun control. Cause he's at the top of the chart. I love that. Gun I control just that. went, gun control just went platinum with no features. <laughs> I want it. Okay. All First right. one. Uh-oh. All right. Okay, this is I'm so much anxiety right now. I'm so much anxiety. <laughs> no, I just release it. This is all a good time. It's a good time. All right. The corporate translation is so you're interested in accruing large sums of money and a high-level management position. Wait, that's not that song. Yeah. You're interested. It is. It is. Wait, say I'm it again. Yeah, you're okay. Well, say it again. Okay, so what would you prefer? To accrue large sums of money as well as a high-level management position? That's the translation, and it's literal. I want you to think 90s. Yeah, I'm like... I want you to think accrue. I want you to think a classic. Right, I'm trying to, I'm I'm circling like a junior mafia. You're in the you're in, in you're the, in like yeah, you're in mm-hmm. the zone. So you trying to you want to shot caller brawler. Yeah. Yes. Dance in the spoiler. Uh, is that yes? Is that, is that, is that, is that, That's it. Okay. That's it. Wanna be a brawler? <laughs> shot caller. Okay. Okay. Well, I had to really like. All I was like. Yes, I was going very, yeah, it felt very 90s-ish, yeah. I'm sure the amount of conversations that have had to be had around scripts, you know, it's oh. like, well, what does this mean? And it's yep. like, okay, well, yep. let's walk you through. Let's yep. walk you through. Yep. All right, this is a little more recent one, but still, I feel like you'll get it. Okay, okay. Keisha, do you have romantic feelings for me? Will you support my endeavors? Ooh, you put a name in that. He should be used to it. Oof. Because the one thing when I hear a name, I start thinking about DMX. Keisha, Delisha. Like, I start, like that's where my mind So in corporate, in corporate, remember, if we're code switching, we're using a full name versus a nickname. Kiki, do you love me? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. okay. You're right. I have to go like, because it always, because like Keisha is black enough where it could be not a name. Yes. That's changed. God, okay. Okay. Thank You're you. You're nailing this. Right. You're nailing I, it. I feel like Prince is played as. I feel like he got all these songs. <laughs> right. Because like, he was definitely like, I don't know. I don't know music, this. Y'all. I'm not going to be able to do this. 
All right, there's the last one. This is the last one and it is my favorite. <laughs> Precipitation, convertibles, inhaling marijuana in a vehicle. Precipitation, uh-huh. Convertibles, inhaling marijuana in a vehicle. Oof. I'm thinking like, uh, make it rain trick. No. Uh, more recent. Yeah, but you're yeah. in you're in the you're the in the part. region. Yeah. You're in the region. I'm in the region. Yes. Mm -hmm. Fuck. Precipitation. Convertibles. Convertible. Inhaling marijuana in a vehicle. I don't know. Oh, Raindrops. Well. Drop top. Smoking up because you're not hot. <laughs> Oh, I'm so mad. Precipitation. Because the way you said it, it was just going to be like a bop, 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 like a, da, 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 da. Oh, I'm so mad. All right. My bad. Two out of three, though. Two out of three. Yeah. You know? I hate myself. That sucks. <laughs> and really, I think uh, Wanna Be a Baller, Shot Caller, All About the Benjamins, I really felt like that was the hardest one. That was. Like, really that was tough. In my mind, that when I hear Wanna Be a Baller, Shot Caller, I don't hear Benjamins. I hear Wanna Be a Baller. Baller. Shot caller, yeah, 20 yeah, inch blade yeah. on the Impala. Yes. That's why I kept hearing, but I knew that wasn't it. Oh, oh, I had no idea. The New York in me jumped out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hit the highway, getting money to fly away. Because it's got to be a better way, a better way, better way. Yeah. And let me tell you, when you do that in a Houston show, people, it's it's like a hymn. Okay, people are on their feet. They are, wow. their hands are in the air. They are not church. They, right. It, it is that though. It's invoking <laughs> yeah. something deeper. Well, congratulations, Brenda. You nailed uh, code right. switching. Two out of three is solid. Two out of three. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take solid, it. solid, solid. Now, we always, um, when we talk about going to the back of the class, because we always talk to our guests about what their time was like in school. And so we would love to just, you know, what were you like? What were you like in school? I was short, <laughs> dark skinned at a time when that wasn't, when like DeBarge niggas was, and I'll be sure it was hot. Okay. And I, the, only, the only thing I could really play on was having curly hair. Cause Oof. they'd be like, cause girls would be like, cause literally dark skinned niggas don't have hair like that. Like that would always be the thing. Like dark skinned dudes don't have curly hair. Cause it was like, you know, it was like DeBarge's. It was like that. So. I was a funny dude, but I always didn't want to accept to be the funny dude because nobody wanted to hook up with the funny dude. You want to hook up with like the cool niggas, right? Really? So like, yeah. So like, I remember this is a perfect example of like what my thing was like. So in high school, every year, I would come back after the summer reinventing myself. Oh. And one, okay. one, one year I reinvented myself as like, uh, what's my man, uh, the dude, uh, who was in Say Anything, uh, the white boy. They had, John like, Cusack? Trench coat John Cusack, where I was like, John Cusack, I was like, I had like a trench coat and I was going to be a quiet talker. <laughs> I was so I sat on a wall with like books and I just, people were like, what's up? And I'd be like, oh man, just <laughs> <laughs> like, I was oh just too deep God. for school. And then I was just too, 
I was just too like not even. He was. I'm gonna love this. Like I can't. I I just. I'm just here because I don't have nothing else I want to do right now. I had like Catcher in the Rye. We like J.D. Salinger trying to be deep at like this black school, and so I would be like, yeah. People like what? And I'd be like, yeah. I'm not. So. And that's no. not my person. I mean, you know me, Amanda. That's not my person. <laughs> I didn't do that like whispers. So you over there dying in your soul. Like, I want to yell soul oh, out right now. All the fun is happening over there. I was just like being all anti by myself. So that was sophomore year. Then junior year, I was like, okay, that, that's not really working. I'm going to be the preppy nigga. So I came back mad preppy and I would carry a briefcase. Uh, <laughs> yo. You were like, how many ways can I stay a virgin? Like how? Oh, oh I was ways? doing nothing, not getting anything. So I remember one time I was in class, and and, it, and also it's mad heavy to carry a briefcase. And wait, wait, and where are you going to school? Where did you live? I lived, I lived in in Lemur Park, like Baldwin Hills, whatever. But I was going to school in Playa del Rey, the school called Saint Bernard's. Okay. So, so, but but you would see me in class, like okay, let's start, and you were just here. there's no way but like what are these but like what are the conversations like was there a briefcase that your parents had that was like lying around and you were like this is gonna be my shit right now okay exactly how it happened my grandfather (laughs) had a dope old briefcase and i was like and niggas would be like why are you carrying this briefcase to school like why It's not convenient. It's weird. At all. <laughs> it is the least convenient thing you can do. It's the least convenient thing. It, it, it's a one arm. So it's like, at some point, you're just like, ah, oh, shoulder arm. You can't even, like, put books in there. Like, what? You can put, like, three books. That's <laughs> it. So every, in between class, I'd have to go back to my locker all the time because I got to get these other books. <laughs> But did you commit, like, so after, like, a month of school where you were, like, no more, or did you just follow through for the entire year? No, no you can't commit to that for it. I committed that okay. for a month. I was like, this is silly. This okay. is silly. Okay. Did you get a satchel in place of <laughs> it? Yeah, I just got a back. No, I always just course corrected back to me. Right? Okay. Which is, like, which is, like... That's a lesson. It's a lesson, right? And mm. once, like, I got to senior, I was like, I'm just going to be... Myself. Mm-hmm. Right? And what did that look school. like? kind of close to what it is now. Like, I think I just embraced being like, oh, I'm funny. Like, why am I like, I'm never going to be like 6'2", all big. I'm just like, I'm not going to be that guy. So like, why am I trying to like, you know what I mean? It was like, I'm just going to have cool sneakers and a tailored pants. I always have cool sneakers. (laughs) And great curly hair. I always could dress. So I just, I would just lean into me. And then once that happened, I just became more comfortable. Then I started being a hookup with people because I was just like, not... I was in the yeah, it wasn't like I was even hooking up that much. So <laughs> but more than the briefcase and quiet talking. Do you understand the sound of the briefcase? No, yeah, it's... it was like, <laughs> like getting the numbers right. Like, <laughs> I know exactly. Oh, what you were locking like. the briefcase. I hate you so much. Yes, yeah, <laughs> Not a combination for the briefcase and the locker. Like it's too much. I had a combination. Put the things to the side. Please, please. And you could you could tell me I wasn't the nigga when I popped that shit up. And niggas be looking at me I'm like, what? He's like, I'm about my business. Yo. This is a, I'm a businessman. I'm a businessman I'm a businessman in the tenth grade. Yeah, yeah. There was a nigga around. who sat in front of me in geometry in tenth grade, and he did not have a briefcase. He had a backpack that was like so close to his back <laughs> that it like. There was like there can't be anything in this. Like you're sitting in the chair with the backpack on. His name was Mookie. And of one day, 
Yeah. One day, somebody got the guts to just, like, take the backpack off and open it because everyone was like, what is, like, what's in this bag? How can you just have this bag and get back? And we opened it, and it was literally a crumpled up piece of paper and a broken pencil. Stop. And that... <laughs> the bag what? was an aesthetic. It was a look. Yeah. It was a look. Yeah, yeah the bag literally... was a fashion accessory. <laughs> I want to go back, was... though, to you referencing John Cusack and say anything <laughs> um, as your inspiration <laughs> for your uh, personality. Um... So obviously you're now like a renowned showrunner and creator, but like what director? Type of, like, shout out to Uncorked producer, you know all those things. Um, but what was the things you were like consuming as like a teenager, a kid? What were those shows, those yeah. movies that you were like really like? Oh, I love this. Even if they didn't necessarily make you want to go down this career path, but you yeah. just like literally formed your personality around. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was when my parents divorced. I had a, like now you would just be like. Oh, that's kind of like diverse stuff. But back in the 80s, that wasn't the thing. You know, MTV wouldn't even play anybody black besides Michael Jackson. So it wasn't like that's just how it was. So my when my parents divorced, my mom was very much if it's white, it's right. So if white kids doing it, you doing it. And my dad was like, we doing nigga everything black. We don't even fuck with nothing white at all. And so when they divorced, they was like, my dad and my mom came to this agreement, which was if I went to a black school, I had to go play like summer camp with white kids. And if I went to a white school, I had to play sports in the black neighborhood. So growing up, I lived in Lamar Park, Windsor Hills area. So I was listening to like, I went to school in the black neighborhood. So we listened to like Run DMC, LL, all early hip hop. But I go to this white summer camp, and they're listening to like, you know, Flock of Seagulls, Tears for Fears, all the, none of my friends are listening to, right? So the now cure. I spit all the cure, all Depeche Mode, like all that, all that stuff, <sighs> right? And then I go back to my to my school in Lamar Park, and I'm like, "Hey, you guys know about like Kaja Gugu?" And they're like, "Get the fuck out of here <laughs> with this!" But that was, but what that was doing, right? In a lot of ways, I didn't realize how how helpful that would be going into the field I went into down the line. But it started to just shape shows I would watch. So like, I was listening to like watching all the shows that like were mainstream things, but like different strokes or facts of life mm-hmm. and like all that type of stuff. But then I would Family get into ties? like. Fam- oh, of course, family ties. Come on. Uh, also, like, you know, like, like bosom buddies. That's when they had theme songs. You know what I mean? And then, but it would also shape like weird white things that I would be <laughs> into too. And like weird little white music, right? Where you're like, oh, I fuck with like Morrissey and like, uh, <laughs> you know, and like other shit that just white stuff that just, but it well rounded me a lot of way. I just didn't realize that then, you know what I mean? But I always, wanted to laugh. I always loved, like, my dad was, like, one of the funniest people I knew. Like, that side of the family was hilarious. And so, like, really, I never really, like, got into drama TV shows a lot. I just wanted to, like, laugh a lot. Like, like all the movies that now you would say would be, like, mad racist, like, Revenge of the Nerds. Uh, 16 and, like, Candles. You know, 16 Candles. Weird, Weird Science is still my favorite movie, even though, like, they go into the Black Blues Club and it's so overwhelmingly racist but you're like that was 1980 yeah, you know or 1982 time. yeah it was the time so yeah. all those things like like very much i think like shaped me and what i was into and just kind of gave me a well-rounded point of view of the of the world and also like what it was like to be the only one because i would go to the summer camp i remember they used to put me in different outfits and i didn't realize at the time but they were taking pictures of me for the brochure so it looked like I'm not about to play with y'all today. Shut up. I'm dead serious. They put me in a hat. They put me like a headband. They put me like a a Native... I remember one time I had like a Native American headdress on. No! Dead serious. Because we were doing a count. It was like... So I just thought, oh, I'm like... I'm like seven or eight. So I'm thinking we're doing... And we are playing like a capture the flag game. 
But it looked, if you didn't look, if you didn't look that hard, you'd like, this camp is so well-rounded. Oh, it was just me. my God. In multiple wow. outfits. By, By the way, the I was seven. <laughs> Y'all, me and Prentice one time, we were working for this uh, network, True TV, and we went to a, like, retreat, and they, we get to the retreat, and it's like a company retreat, and there's, like, 75 people there, and then me and Prentice. Oh. Everybody else white. It's just me and Prentice. We the only black folks there. Just me and Prentice. And then we went to this dinner, and they had this whole space, and all these different yep. tables, and they sat us next to each other. <laughs> I'm not about to play. It's... No. Well, did y'all get hilarious. pictures for the brochure while you were at the brochure? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember a man and I kept looking at each other like, what's happening? Because we went to I the bar remember, together. I remember a marketing guy had sat next to me and he was like, you know, we, we're really diversifying the company. And I, was, I looked around and I was like, where? And he was like, well, we're doing a lot of homosexual hires. <laughs> I was like, yo. No. And you know what? His brother was Sean Spicer. Nope. <laughs> His brother was Sean Spicer, who was the press secretary for Trump for quite some time. Well, there you yeah. have it, guys. Wow. There you have yeah. it. Wow. Yeah. Um, Prentice, you mentioned growing up in Lamert Park and going to school with a gaggle of Black people, all Black people. <laughs> um, a gaggle so, of Black Yeah, listen. Um, so, you a know, bagel? I want to know. Yeah, you know. A bagel, yes. A bagel. It's, it was right there. I don't, it's not, I'm to. not saying it's a great joke. I'm just but you would have been wrong not to. But those are kind of jokes that didn't get me laid. So it's just... <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, um, I'm messing but, this all up. Is this no, 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 it's totally fine. It's totally fine. Um, did you have any Black teachers? Well, obviously, you yes. did at some point. But um, which ones had a lasting impression on you? Uh... One specifically was uh, this teacher named Faye Armstrong, who, who was my teacher. And like, because we did like a fifth, sixth grade combo class, mm-hmm. and uh, for the gifted kids. And then, mm-hmm. uh, and she, and she was just so like she pushed us so hard. It was almost like a movie where it was almost like it was like I call it like our stand and deliver. Because she was like, y'all not about to go to these like like when you get bust out and like not know how to write term papers. So I remember Ms. Armstrong was making us write like 30 page term papers in fifth grade. And you had to do a bibliography, a table of contents, footnotes. You had to, so she was like not, she was not with the shits at all. But when I got to middle school, I was like, this is so easy. Like Ms. Armstrong was <laughs> killing us. And this is all, you know what I mean? Like typed up, like in a world we like, you still had typewriters. So it wasn't like yes. you could go in the computer, like you had to like, put the white out if you messed up or like if you were no, lucky maybe you had the, no, like no. the go back tape in the type if you was lucky but you gotta scroll through get your yeah. lining right again i mean or erase it i mean this is yeah not like so you'd be dead so you have so you have your written version and then have then so you're just doing this as you're typing and she was just like not playing or not playing around so the thing that just happened when Prentice mentioned typewriters was people like what's I'm that? sitting here. Well, I'm sitting here, just my mouth a little agape, and Jeremiah looks terrified because he's <laughs> never touched a typewriter. I mean, I've seen it before. I ain't never have to use a typewriter. <laughs> I asked my dad for a computer, and he got me a word processor. Word processor. Oh my god, yeah. they loved that shit back in the day, yeah. which yep. was really just an automatic typewriter. Like it yep. had a screen, and you would type on the screen, and then it would like print out like a typewriter yep. but yep. it was not a computer i need to make that explicitly felt, clear i remember when my mom got a word processor for us she thought she was doing something and i just was like this is more work i'd rather just do the typewriter because at least you i know. can see it if i yes! make a mistake i can correct it the word yes. processor was weird you have to figure out how to go i was like this yes. is crazy yep. yes mm-hmm. i love it i love it i mean you know what because 
school is such a unique experience for so many people. Is there anything that you would change about your time in school? Hell nah. No, not Not one. even a briefcase? No. Nah, you know I mean- why? No. I definitely... <laughs> and you know what? It's the opposite for me. I wish I would have leaned in more to that. I wish I would have leaned into more just being weird and being comfortable being weird. And like, because I felt like... Because I also feel like it would have... Not necessarily like the briefcase literally of that, but the idea of like, let yourself find ways to be uncomfortable with, let yourself have the process of figuring you out, right? And sometimes we like want to, that's a time where you want to fit in. You don't want to be, so like, first off, my name was Prentice. So that that was always like, you know, people always messing up my name. I just want to be Chris, you know, you just want to be like, mm. whatever. But now you get older, you go like, oh, that name stands out, right? For yeah. what I do specifically, right? So I was, I, I regret the moments I tried to fit in as opposed to just like, be be whatever you know what I mean because I could I could always I was very funny so I could always bag on people like I would bag on people and it would always want to lead to a fight because I just was like if you say one thing to me I'm coming nah. and I was little I'm I'm like trying to cut your throat like I'm not yes. I want to see you cry and I had and my best friend who's still my best friend this day was like the biggest dude at school and so I've known him since I was four so he wouldn't let anybody mess oh with so me. you was just acting oh, up oh yeah I was a mess yeah, I was I was killing cats. Cats are always gonna fight me. Cause I couldn't fight. I couldn't fight with a really gonna fight, but I could bag. Oof. Oh yeah. I remember one kid boo-booed on himself and I just was like, and he tried to talk about my stuttering, and I was like, oh you know. <laughs> well, no, he, now he played himself. He played himself. <laughs> because wanna... if you shitting on yourself, you can't say nothing for the rest of the year. Yes. It's over. Yes. Like, but like how old what age was this? Third, fourth grade. Oh, poor thing. Mm. Paul Tink Tink. Like, you, and, but and, I feel like the, you should know that though. Like, I shit in myself. I just need to say but, wow. but it didn't, it didn't happen. Well, it, the order of the events didn't happen that way. So he had booed on himself, but nobody said nothing. <laughs> so then he brought up my stutter like three months later. We were just talking. He tried to crack a joke. And I was like, oh, did they get the booed on himself? And then everybody was like, because you know, everybody was sitting on it. And then everybody, and then everybody out of just, respect. Ah, out of respect. <laughs> out of respect. And then once that happened, he was just like, you know, like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. you know, so it's like all that, like, it was like, nigga, you move on. And then so the whole year I'd be like, yo, somebody smell that. And then he'd be like, ah! Oh, yo. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and he, was, and he was, and he was like, I mean, I, I did that up until eighth grade. I just would like randomly sometimes just be Not like, a bully. Just say this. Right. Not a bully. I, I stopped at high school. They, Wait, have, face they have like, seminars now for people like you, friends. They have seminars called anti-bullying because of you. But I didn't start it. I never started it. I was always, but if you're going to come at me, I mean, that's you know what said, You should have sat there and ate your food, but you didn't. So now, <laughs> I'm on you that. Never, you should have never called me a fat ass Kelly Price. Kelly. <laughs> Let me go into my briefcase and get my jokes out. <laughs> Well, we are going to go into our briefcase because it is time for the Blop Quiz, a.k.a. the Black Pop Quiz. Blop Quiz. It's the Black Pop Quiz with Liz. All right, Prentice, it is time to hit you with the Blop Quiz. So these are quick answers to quick questions. First up, what's your Black culture blind spot? What do you mean? Like, what do you mean? So, for instance, my Black culture blind spot is I don't do 
collard greens. I don't do grits. Like that's not my space. Oh. Um, Taj, fix your face. Uh, because Taj's Black Culture Blind Spot is very seminal Black 90s movies like Lean On Me. Okay? I just... Yeah. So, mind you, it's on HBO, which is also where you can watch Sam J's Paws. Um, Nonetheless, still hasn't watched it. So what would be your Black Culture Blind Spot? Grits, 100%. Never had a grit. I am to me. Never had a grit. Really? Is that an LA? Is that an LA thing? No, because my mom eats grits, my family. I just would look at so when people go, you I I lie my way through it. So the whole go, sugar versus Yeah, I actually do too much because I'll just be like, oh, you can't put sugar on grits. I would I'll just pick I just pick the I side. mean you can't put sugar on grits, though. That, 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 that is true. See? See? Is so I never have to oh, answer man. the grit question. Yeah, I just volunteer you can't put sugar on grits and have never it could be delicious. I actually mind you over here eating cream of wheat. <laughs> I don't eat that, I don't I can't do like mushy, like oh. oatmeal, like anything like that. I don't like the texture of. But that. a grit is good though. A grit is a good yeah, cheese listen, grit. Grits That'll, with some sharp cheddar. Oh my god! That takes you to the next level. Takes you to the next level. Um, I've had a shrimp and a grit before at a you know at an event at a black event where they're like, "Here's a shrimp and a grit," you know, because for black people. But it's not necessarily my. My home base. It's yeah, I don't, I don't. Mm-mm. It's usually at a black event. They always have like a shrimp and a grit in a little cup, or it'll be a shrimp on a small piece of, or it'll be a fried chicken on a small piece of waffle. Waffle. You go have, a chicken and waffle is seminal um, at a black event. But also speaking of black events, you know, Princess. At some point, there'll be a new settlement of black people on Mars. You know, going towards the future. So, what is a black eye, a black ass item that you would take with you to the red planet to help remember your blackness? Ooh. I don't use it when my hair is longer, but it would when my hair was shorter. Definitely Murray's. <laughs> I used yo. to have the shit like yo, mad, mad forward. Get my Murray's and shit. Get the wave cap. So you know, I remember you had to do like let the wave cap go an hour before you went out because you didn't want the line. Of course. So you used to have to like rub the line out, but definitely Murray's to be like that's. And then you use the tin for like when it was over for like fun little collectible things. Like buttons and little things you would Little Mars rocks. No, I was about to say that's... Yeah. <laughs> it's multi-purpose. So so yeah, it, it is, because once it's over, you know, but some people stay using cans, just you know, like coffee breaking grease. So I'm all about like that. So we black. love a receptacle. It's true. Because yeah. we love- we've had so much taken from us. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta keep stuff. We've got to keep and restore. Yeah. Taj? Yes. So we'd love for you to name a Black proverb that lives rent-free in your head. I think my favorite, because it's so, I mean, Black people can use a lot of language that mean lots of different things, but my favorite is, it is what it is. Because it has so many... Like I was talking to my boy who like broke up with his girl a couple of months ago, and I, he was like, I mean, she just you know did you know she she really broke his heart. He didn't want to say, and he was like, you know, it just didn't work out. No, it is what it is, you know. Or if somebody messed with you, it was like, yo, I had to pump it. In. I mean, it is what it is. Literally, literally. You know what I mean? And it's like you know you got to, like you praying on something. I mean, you know, it is what it is. You know, it's like <laughs> so many. It's very fluid. Yeah. So it, it is what it because I don't even know what it is or what it is is. But we all know <laughs> when you say that, the context, we know it, mm-hmm. right? So I love it is what it is. 
You know what? I feel like another one that falls in that where you're just like, we don't really know what it is, but it's like, I'm feeling some type of way. We don't the know the, way, the way or the type, but we know that the fact that a way is being felt mm-hmm. is the actual issue. Mm-hmm. My, my other favorite one, because I was debating between if I, I share one more, my other one is, I'm going to pray on it. Because <laughs> I'm going to pray on it is the equivalent of like, I ain't going to do that. <laughs> Every time. I'm a, I'm a pray on it. I'm resigned to this shit. I'm going to pray on it. See what happens. I'm going to pray on it. I'm going to pray on it. It's above me now. Yeah, it's, it's above a, me now. Literally. It's, a, it's above me. Is the, is the two, it's a 2020 version of I'm going to pray on it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pray on it. I'm going to pray on it. All right. Our last question is a history question because we had to give you just a little bit of knowledge. <clears throat> she was the first woman to support juvenile prisoners in Louisiana and her efforts helped found the juvenile court. Her endowment continues to fund St. Luke's Community Center. Is it A, Angela Davis, B, Francis Goday, or C, Fannie Lou Hamer? I'm going to go with B, because I don't know nothing about that person. So it seems like it might be right. <laughs> that is correct. Yes. Yes. Who was your teacher's name? What was your teacher? Faye Armstrong. Faye Armstrong put you together. She's like, I'm going to teach y'all processes of elimination as well. (laughs) Yeah. I knew it wasn't every day. I was like, I ain't going to do it every day. So I was like, I don't think she did that. So I mean, Angela is a complete prison abolitionist. So her creating a juvenile system would not make any sense. No. But uh, if you want to hear some things that do make sense, make sure you watch my homegirl Sam J's show. Pause on HBO, created by uh, Sam and our guest right here, Mr. Prentice Penny. If you have not seen Prentice's debut feature film, Uncorked, it is one of my favorites. I've watched it several times, and it is uh, on Netflix. You can also hear our podcast episode. I talked a lot about the podcast, Small Doses. We did a side that effects was a good of Uncorked. One. That was a good one. That was a good one. Yeah. Um, and uh, Insecure is up for some Emmys. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know how all that works. You know, I don't be caring about shit like that. It's a, it's around, it's around the timing. It's in the conversation part. You know. Do we'll we see. get nom? Like, does the show get nom? Like, is it like they're trying to decide if it's going to be nominated? Yeah. Or- yes. Yes. Okay. It's all like every comedy. Which are the ones we're going to put up as like the top whatever seven shows that be in the in the running, and then they pick not us. um i just feel like in these days and times like you gotta vote for the blacks and that's really just representative of what you're really about so well i uh was supposed to introduce prentice uh but due to unforeseen circumstances i was supposed to present an award to prentice recently and in my remarks i listed all the great things he's done career-wise but he was winning this award. It was the Impact Award. And I want to say here what I didn't get to say there, which was that Prentice is a real one in a whole town of fakes and phonies. And that is why I continue to love him and work with him. And I'm so happy to have you on the show. And I can't wait Thank to see you. what else you come up with. Thank you. I'm glad you're feeling better. Doing my damn thing. Doing my <laughs> damn thing. So, Prentice, uh, we appreciate you joining us here at Smart Funny and Black Radio. We will... Look out for what other hilarious creations you have coming down the bike. Sounds good. Thank you, guys. Smart Bunny and Niggas got me fucked up. Oh, niggas got me fucked up. Not 
Welcome to another nigga that I mean fucked up Monday. You know, this is that time of the show where we give folks the opportunity to testify, to get off their chest what is on their heart before they carry it through them, before they carry it with them through the week. When you are on the Instagrams, you can leave us your comments for niggas got me fucked up Mondays. You can leave your comments in the Amandaverse. Also, you can do it on Twitter. So we give a lot of different places for people to leave their comments and get this off their chest. And then we pick which ones we're going to read. So it could be you. Taj, who are we reading this week? So this week, we are reading some responses from artistic Chad Photography, who said what has him fucked up is that there was more outrage about a slap mm-hmm. than all of these people getting shot to death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they ain't lie. He didn't lie. And honestly, some of us are focused on the wrong things, the wrong things, because get it together. I everybody. mean, honestly, if... I've rubbed Smith, off on Taj. Taj is singing now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a musical episode, guys. I mean, honestly, if Will Smith still got that slap in him, it's a few people in Congress that needs to be, you know... Listen, just one right by across. one by one by one, like dominoes. Get them out of here. Um, Zero One Stylist said, it's America for me. I have just... Listen. Because, Full stop. <laughs> right. Truly. Um, and A Mimi said... Maternity leave and childcare are just a couple of things on my list. And, uh, you know, to her point with everybody trying to control women's bodies and uh, what goes on there, childcare is definitely an issue. It's super expensive, but giving someone two, four, or six weeks of maternity leave does nothing, especially for women who are dealing with postpartum, women that have had C-sections, which is a major surgery. Major surgery. You need to give these people um, the time Uh, they deserve. Yeah. And a lot of people, and and honestly, maternity leave in this country, unfortunately, is a privilege because people who are not necessarily in big corporate spaces that are fully insured, um, that might just be working hourly jobs. They don't have time. They can like, bring that baby to come uh, work this drive through. I forgot what country it is. I want to say it's Sweden, maybe, um, where like both parents have maternity leave. Mm-hmm. But there's also something called like try and see type of thing, where like you can leave your job and like go try some other shit. Like oh, I need go that. to like you can go to school. <laughs> like you can go to school for like some other thing. And still be like on the payroll. Like it's something like that. But again, oh. like I, this just speaks to, to me, the fact that America's exceptionalism, it's, this is such a narcissistic society that has done such a good job of not listening to anybody else and not paying attention to anybody else because it makes people feel like this is the only way to live. Mm-hmm. And so then they don't fight for other things or they don't consider other possibilities. And Everywhere else, by the way, is not like that. Like when you watch the news in other countries, like they're they're seeing things on a global scale. Like they're getting information and insight from. That's why other places have usher posters in the barbershop in like a mountain in in a mountain village in Togo because America is making its way over there. But America doesn't bring in information from other places, and so we end up. I I think of it like this: when you live in New York and you go somewhere else, you'd be like, "Wait, I can live." Like people live like this, like you can live like this. Yeah. Because when you live in New York, you just you just decide, like you're like you just decide this, this is the is only it. way. Yep. <laughs> this, is, 
this this fifteen hundred I'm spending for this one room situation. I'm not even gonna call it an apartment. A situation, you know mm-hmm. this this walk that this detrimental like walk that I'm taking to the train every day. Like it it could be another way. Huh. Listen, my PTSD just kicked up pretty bad because <laughs> this cart that I'm pushing past the precinct up a hill in the snow across the street. <laughs> Past the bodega to the laundromat. Mm-hmm. I could. There's another way that I could get my 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 clothes washed. Mm-hmm. And don't forget that so you were many doing ways that. actually. So don't forget ways. you were doing it in the middle of blizzards. Also, you you ain't never lie. Don't forget when the police car actually drove by me and splashed me like on a movie. Like, <laughs> and then he rolled down his window and laughed. Oh. Mhm. 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 Hell is hot, yeah. I want y'all to know that hell is hot. <laughs> so, Listen, but I, I just you know. Like it's just real, and Finland is is one of the countries that has maternal and paternal leave. But it's not just Finland. Like I mean, there's like a number of places that do this. Every um, place but America. Mm-hmm. Gotta gotta fucking love it. Uh, one thing you also gotta love is the fact that I will be back on this road bringing these jokes to the people. Shout out to everybody who's coming out to the to the improv for my makeup show uh, this week on Friday. I have two shows going down, two sold out shows. So happy to see y'all there. Also, you can catch me at the Brea Improv June 24th, 25th, and 26th. And uh, that's like an hour outside of LA. So if you're in LA folks and you're still trying to get to see me on stage, because let me tell you something about my shows that's happening now. Like, don't come to my show if you're coming for like, I just want to have a silly time for an hour. Like, I'm not, I'm not that. Like, it, we gonna, we gonna laugh, we gonna turn up. But we are also going to have a TED talk. We also we're going to leave there radicalized and revolutionized. Like I want I want my stand up shows at this point to feel like not just a good time, but a change time. Like I want us to to leave together with having had an experience that makes us say, like, what do I do to to be a part of the change that I wish to see? Because for me, comedy like is is a revolution it's it's by any joke necessary and i don't say that lightly so uh if that's what you went to come out to my shows come out to my shows you can go to amandaseals.com for a full listing of my tour dates and i'll be announcing a full tour very very soon so keep on checking keep on checking now smart funny and black is also hitting the road you can see us at the kendy center on july 22nd i'm so excited and to give you a little glimpse into what goes down in the smart funny and black show we have our live clip of the week my homeboy charles blow incredible writer joined us with Joan Morgan at the Apollo in 2019 for my favorite Smart Funny and Black show of all time. Partly because they're hilarious, but also because they are so goddamn informed and they really took us on a journey of intellect of intellectualism. In this clip, you're going to hear Charles Blow play the game, explain it, and he is going to break down for us the Harlem Renaissance in a way only he can. Y'all, I hope you enjoy Smart Funny and Black Radio as much as we enjoy giving it to you. Thank you for everybody checking us out here on LOL Radio on Sirius. Thank you for all of our podcast listeners. Make sure to tell a friend, spread the word that this show is going down every week so we can keep on getting the good word out to Mm -hmm. folks. My name is Amanda Seals and shout out to my hosts. Jeremiah, you like the Bible. And Tajrani. Remember, we are each other's business. When we look out for each other, we lift each other up. See y'all next week. Smart funny and Okay, Charles. Okay, Charles. Charles, please enlighten us on the Harlem Renaissance. Come on now. All right, so first of all, let's start with this. 
Harlem was not the original center of black culture, right? Black people used to live on the west side in a place they called the Tenderloin and San Juan Hill. It was all of the west side of Manhattan. And there was race wise, and the, the reason the race wise got kicked off, a brother was walking with his girl, and a white undercover officer tried to arrest this brother's girl for soliciting. And the brother was like, who is this white man talking to you? <laughs> and the white man hit the brother, and the brother was like, oh, you want to hit people with garbage cans. <laughs> now I got to cut you. <laughs> <laughs> and the brother pulled out his knife, stabbed it into the man, and you know how we do, we ran. White people got mad, burnt all that down. <laughs> and then the city did a thing, which was they knocked down one of the centers of that community to put up what is now Penn Station. So black people moved north and they settled in Harlem. Now at about the same time, Black people in the, in the South was getting tired. <laughs> you want us to pick the cotton and get lynched? <laughs> <laughs> so they grabbed their stuff. And they started what became known as the Great Migration. They moved up out of there. And they came and they settled a lot of them in Harlem. And in 20 years, Harlem went from 10% black to 70% black. And out of that came the Harlem Renaissance. And never let anybody tell you that if you unleash black people, and you give them space and opportunity that they cannot create the world over. The Harlem Renaissance gave us an unbridled, unleashed artistry that painted our pain as poetry. And that is the Harlem Renaissance. Yeah. Smart by the end. Yeah.